Hello, everyone, and welcome back to 15 Minutes on the Couch. Um, I want to start by saying thank you to everyone for your support, for your donations, for your sharing of uh, the information that we put out. Um, my hopes is that we are truly being helpful to everyone. Um, and anytime you have any suggestions or ideas, shoot us a DM um, or email. We get so many DMs, but maybe an email that kind of have your ideas or maybe a topic that you want to discuss that maybe we haven't discussed. Um, we are totally open to it. Um, but in this episode, I talked to Dr. Ruckless about uh, eating disorders, which is something that tends to be taboo in the Black community. Um, she goes a bit more in detail about what it is, how it shows up in the Black community, and basically how to address it. Now, a little bit about Dr. Ruggles. Um, she's a licensed psychologist and the owner of Flourish Psychology, which is a, a private psychological practice dedicated to meeting the unique needs of women, which is awesome. She is a board member at Breaking the Chains Foundation, which is a nonprofit organization focused on creative arts as a tool for healing eating disorders, um, disordered eating, and negative body images. Her work focuses on delivering evidence-based services in a culturally sensitive manner to the women in her practice, as well as making psychological concepts more relevant and accessible to like the general population. She has participated in a number of panels, podcasts, magazine articles, and speaking engagements, and is in the production of her own podcast, The Hang Up, which will focus uh, specifically on uplifting women by discussing unique strengths in our everyday lives. And without further ado, here's my talk with Dr. Ruggles about eating disorders. So thank you, Dr. Kelly, for joining us today. I really appreciate you taking your time out, your busy schedule. I can only imagine uh, what your schedule looks like now, especially during this time of quarantine. Um, so yeah. thanks for joining us. Of, of course, I'm happy to be here. Absolutely. So let's jump right into it. I try to get in and get out as much as possible, but um, let's get into it. So we have you on today to talk about eating disorders. And I think yes. that may be a topic that for um, the black community that maybe we don't really kind of get into. So mm -hmm. let's get some background context of it. What is considered an eating disorder? Okay. So an eating disorder is based, it's like a broad term that covers several different, um, unique, um, difficulties with uh, your relationship with food. So in general, eating disorders are, are a group of very serious but treatable uh, physical and mental conditions that impact a person's ability to have a healthy relationship with food and exercise. Um, and this unhealthy relationship can come about for a number of reasons, but usually it stems from some sort of body image dissatisfaction. And sometimes that dissatisfaction is so intense that a person will just feel forced to resort to extreme measures to relieve some of the negative feelings that they're experiencing. Okay. So is there a particular criteria that I have to meet if I think that I may fall into that category? Yes. Um, so let's, it's, it's, different depending on which like class of eating disorders you fall into, but we can mm -hmm. sort of talk about each one in general so that you have an idea. So the okay. main 
eating disorders that I think most people think about are anorexia nervosa, bulimia nervosa, um, binge eating disorder, which is um, a newer title for something that's been around for a really long time. And then there's something called avoidant restrictive food intake disorder, which is another newer title for something that's been around for a long time. So if we just start at the top for anorexia nervosa, the criteria is um, you have to have experienced significant weight loss as a result of having a hard time um, properly nourishing yourself. Um, generally speaking, um, someone has a hard time maintaining their weight because of compulsive exercise, meaning exercising more than you need to, um, severely restricting how much food they eat on a daily basis. So like only taking in so many calories a day or cutting out complete food groups altogether. Um, and generally speaking, you know, these people can even have um, some episodes where they overeat or what we call binge eating. And then they might purge or vomit the meal afterwards as a way of getting rid of those extra calories. So I know usually when we think of anorexia, we think of someone who is really low weight. And that's also another myth. Anorexia can impact people who look normal weight or who even look to be carrying more weight than the average person. It's not about whether or not you are extremely underweight. It's about losing a significant amount of weight in a short period of time and doing it in a really unhealthy way. Um, so that's anorexia. Bulimia is when a person has a cycle of overeating and in order to relieve that feeling of overeating, they either engage in vomiting, right, um, to, to throw that food back up, or they might use laxatives um, to have it come out the other way. Um, or I think another uncommon one that people don't realize is exercise can actually be used as a way to purge. So think of it as um, a friend that you might have heard say, oh, I just ate this bagel. I got to get on this, the treadmill immediately. I got to burn this off. That is a similar, that is purging. So I know that that seems odd and like you probably have never heard of that before, but exercise can also be a form of purging in bulimia nervosa. And then if we get to binge eating disorder, it's pretty much exactly how it sounds. It's actually the most common eating disorder in the United States, and it involves multiple episodes of eating large quantities of food in a really short period of time. Um, you have to have this feeling of being out of control. So there's a thought in your mind that says, I should stop but you're not able to stop yourself. And you even get to the point where you can be physically uncomfortable. Um, and once that happens, people usually experience a lot of shame and a lot of guilt. And um, similar to bulimia, a person might then um, vomit. They might purge all of that food back up because they feel so bad. Now, not every single person who binge eats purges, but sometimes it can happen. And then the oh. last one. Oh, go ahead. Sorry. No, no, no. I think that's awesome. But um, to clear up anything yeah. for, for that, mm -hmm. a lot of us have been binge eating, right? Where we know we need to stop, <laughs> especially during quarantine, right? You're like, I know right. I shouldn't be eating this stuff, but I'm home and it's here. Like how to right. clear that up? Because you have to re reach a certain criteria. It's not... You know, I don't want people to think like, oh, is that me? Because I've been 
actually eaten a lot since I've been home. Like, yeah, I think that's a really good question and a really good detail to point out that it's not just eating more than what you think is your norm, right? Binge eating requires eating a significant amount of food in a short period of time. So what I mean is imagine eating a dozen donuts in 30 minutes, right? Imagine eating several entrees from a fast food restaurant like a Big Mac or maybe two Big Macs and a fish filet sandwich and doing that all within an hour. So we're not talking about the snacking that, that is pretty common for all of us to do, having a little bit more sweets than you normally have. That's not what we're talking about. We're talking about eating so much that you, you legitimately feel sick when you're done. Gotcha. Okay. Yes. I think that clears it up. Okay. <laughs> mm-hmm. Good. And then I think the last one that's important to talk about but is a little less common is the avoidant restrictive food intake disorder, which is essentially imagine someone who's a very picky eater, right? And they are so picky that it impacts their ability to feed themselves in a healthy way. So this is someone who can only eat specific brands, has a problem with certain textures of food, um, has a problem eating out. I mean, that's it's it's basically picky eating and there is no issue with body image. There is no weight goal or a desire to be thin or anything like that. It's just purely having a hard time eating a variety of different foods. Now, is that something that you pick up? Because it just immediately made me think of a child, right? Like how they're like, um, and I've worked with a a bunch of families. Like when I first started in my career, um, my focus was working with children with autism. And I know we had that issue all the time, Mm -hmm. you know, Mm -hmm. where even the program that I was working at, they had a separate program for feeding um, because a lot of the, the aversion for, you know, different type of textures and things like that. So is that something that you could have uh, as being a child and then grow up and still have that same type of behavior? Absolutely. Yes. So it, it does happen. It does impact um, children with autism more frequently than it does the rest of the population. But there are plenty of people that don't have autism, but do have ARFID, which is the, you know, the acronym for it. Mm-hmm. Um, and they grow up with it. So they become adults who struggle to eat and have a hard time eating out and it can impact them in really significant ways. Like, you know, if you, if you can't eat a variety of food, then it's going to impact um, your ability to get it proper nutrients and um, proper minerals and to get a, a balanced diet. So it can have really serious health impacts for adults who just struggle to eat a variety of foods. So uh, yeah, I've actually worked with several adults um, that have the symptoms. Okay, I know this conversation is getting good, but I wanted to pop in to see, are you receiving our daily affirmations? If not, grab your phone and text community to 770-284-3332. Again, that's 770-284-3332. So I think, you know, it it also brings up another question. Um, In the Black community, right, it's... Mm -hmm. It's thought to be, or I would assume, or I think it's thought to be less acceptable due to our culture embracing curves and voluptuous, you know, bodies and things like that. 
is it right. more do have you seen that it affects us more or not so much is it pretty much a balance do you know I would say that the numbers indicate that it's different depending on which disorder we're talking about. Hmm. Um, it is, I know a long time belief is that because as in the black culture um, really validates a curvier body type mm -hmm. that it makes black women less susceptible to something like anorexia specifically because anorexia has so much to do with a desire to be thin. And I think that's, true in the sense that you know it impacts us less than um, Caucasian women than Hispanic women um, I think African American women and Asian American women are probably about the same we experience it at similar rates but something to note is that the rates of eating disorders are increasing every single year across every single ethnicity so even though it's not impacting us at the same rates that it's impacting Caucasian women, mm -hmm. it's still impacting us and it's still growing. And I think the other thing to consider is that although um, we might not have a desire to be thin per se, there are certain standards within the black culture that are just as um, narrow and what I mean by narrow is there are beauty standards that are really, really specific that not everybody fits into that can create a similar situation and a similar foundation where an eating disorder is really likely to happen. So when we think about a lot of the surgically enhanced um, bodies that are uplifted in the black community right now, mm -hmm. um, you know, there's a lot of women that are going to extreme measures with, with diet and with exercise to try and achieve these bodies that aren't even physically possible. And it's creating a similar problem in the black community. So it's one of those things where I think for anorexia in particular, Yes, it, it does impact us at lower rates, but the rates are increasing. Um, and something else to consider is that this idea that it doesn't impact black women actually hurts us when we are struggling with it because um, physicians, providers, um, other clinics, it goes unnoticed and it goes undiagnosed. So they did a research study where they presented um, physicians with um, different uh, case studies of the exact same problem where, but the only difference was the race. And what they found was that if you were, if it was a black female that was being described, they didn't note any eating problems, any exercise problems or any psychological problems at all. And if it was a white woman, they identified all of them and recommended treatment. So it, you know, wow. it's, yeah. So that's, kind of, that's a really big deal. So yes, it's true. We're not as impacted as white women, but when we are impacted, we're also not able to access help and we're not directed on how to get treated. So it's, it's creating an issue that when we do have an eating disorder, it ends up being more severe and lasting longer than it does for our white counterparts, just because we're not given access early enough. Mm. So if I think based on the things that you just described to me, if I think mm -hmm. that I fall into one of those categories, what mm -hmm. should I do? Or like, what will be my next step to say, Hey, I want to get help for this. What do the I do? First thing, the first thing I would do is I would reach out to an eating disorder specific provider. I would go on a website like um, national eating disorder association, 
um, or Academy for Eating Disorders. And I would literally look up a therapist in my area who specializes in eating disorders so that I could get evaluated. Because once you get yourself hooked into a provider who's familiar with treating eating disorders, they will direct you um, down the path of where you need to go. They will know physicians who are experienced. They will know of all the treatment facilities in the area, and they will know of all the dietitians who specialize in eating disorders, and they will get you connected. I think, unfortunately, um, psychology and other therapy fields and dietitians and physicians, um, you have to seek out specific training in eating disorders in, in order to know how to effectively treat it. So you can't just assume because you're going to a physician that they're going to know how to help you. They may not. They may not have ever really received any training in eating disorders at all, and they could congratulate you on your weight loss, right? They could tell you, good job, things right. are looking good, yeah. when deep down you know something's wrong. So I would, my first step would be to find a therapist who specializes in eating disorders and, and get an evaluation and then go from there. So is that something that I could come to you for? Absolutely. That is a, <laughs> a big part. That's a big part of what I do um, is evaluations and connecting people with teams in the Southern California area. So you could absolutely reach out to me and I'd be happy to do that. So if I came to therapy, um, mm -hmm. what is something that I or you address with me during those times? Or And I know everybody's situation is different and it's different yeah. things that you, you know, that you talk about. But, you know, you're hearing a lot about anxiety more and more mm -hmm. and more. You're hearing more and more about depression. How does anxiety, depression and eating disorders, how do they all... What, what do they all have in common? And is that one of the things that we'll address in therapy? Absolutely. I think that's a really, really great question because I, I think that a lot of people don't often recognize the layers of an eating disorder. And what I'll say is in terms of anxiety and depression, you know, and eating disorders, with all of them, they have some similar symptoms, right? Um, you might find yourself wanting to spend more time on your own. Um, you might find that your sleeping is impacted and your appetite has changed and things like that. But deeper than that is oftentimes eating disorders in particular can serve as a way to cope with the symptoms of anxiety and depression. So if you imagine what it feels like to have anxiety, anybody who's experienced it before knows that oftentimes you just have this sense of feeling out of control right? You don't know, like, especially right now during these uncertain times where we don't know wh what this means. We don't know what COVID is and how to treat it. And right. if somebody that we know or love is going to get impacted by it. Yeah. And that creates a lot of anxiety mm -hmm. and eating disorders can sometimes calm that anxiety by giving us something to control, right? If you can't control anything else, you can definitely control what you eat. You can definitely control how you move your body, right? So sometimes gaining control over one thing can help us feel more calm about the other things in our life that we don't have control over. So when I'm working with someone who is struggling with an eating disorder, yes, I'm talking about how to make sure you know, you're eating at regular times and that you're not really focusing on hunger in the beginning and you're just focusing on getting practice feeding yourself regularly. But I'm also talking to you about what's on your mind. 
What is causing you stress? What feels out of control? How do you cope when you're uncomfortable? How do you handle being distressed? How do you handle being down? Because oftentimes eating disorders are the way that people cope. I don't feel good. I'm going to go run. I don't feel good. I'm going to go eat. And for the majority of us, doing that is not a big deal. Exercise can be a fantastic way to cope with anxiety and to you know, heal yourself from depression. But for people with eating disorders, it, goes, it crosses a line and it goes to a place where you're pushing your body beyond its limits and you're asking it to do things that it's not comfortable doing, but you're doing it anyway because it relieves the anxiety. So we'll talk about different ways to cope with anxiety, different ways to cope with the symptoms of depression that don't involve manipulating your diet and your exercise to extreme lengths. What if, and I'm trying to think of if I'm coming in and being a client, Yeah. what if I'm not ready for therapy, but everything that you explained to me sounds like exactly what I'm going through, but I'm not ready to face a therapist or I'm not ready to um, find someone or go through all those different steps that I may have to go through to right. um, seek out the help. Can, is that something that I can do myself or is there a book or something I can read or some strategies that I can use? Or do you think that, no, you just need to come to therapy? And I know I'm a big proponent of therapy. You are too, but yeah. <laughs> just yeah. trying you to know, think I'm, of the other person. <laughs> right. I'm biased. And I will say right. that up front that I think <laughs> if you can afford therapy, if you have the time and, and the ability to seek it out, seek it out. But unfortunately, eating disorders in particular I do believe actually require therapeutic intervention because mm -hmm. they have such significant impacts on your physical health that can't really, you can't let those go on too long before you have some effects that you can't come back from, mm -hmm. right? So there are some other, you know, disorders and difficulties in life where you can work through it. You can read a book, you can, and you have enough time, right? Because the symptoms aren't that severe that you have enough time to be able to take your time and work through things. Eating disorders in particular are the kinds of things where the longer it goes um, untreated, the longer it goes without being intensely addressed, the harder it is to recover from it. So honestly, I think with eating disorders in particular, they're not something that I would recommend you try to do on your own because one of the unique things about eating disorders is that, especially for anorexia nervosa, there's an aspect of them that feels good, right? So there's an aspect of anorexia nervosa that allows people to feel confident and accomplished and proud of what they've been able to do. And because of that, there's no internal desire to necessarily get better. For some of the other eating disorders, there's a shame piece and there's a guilt piece that's so uncomfortable that it will generally push people to get help or it'll push people to help themselves. Mm -hmm. uh, but anorexia in particular is one where most people feel really good and they don't even realize it's a problem until they start to have significant health problems. So my main, you know, I, I wish I could say that it was something to be done on your own. There's plenty of books out there that I can talk about that I think are really helpful for anybody who's on this journey. Um, but if, if it was me, if it was someone I love who was struggling in this way, I would absolutely recommend that they reach out to a therapist. 
And I agree with you. And like you said, but I am also very biased. Um, <laughs> right. <laughs> so if we have someone in your area and they're in California, they're like, hey, I want to come see you. How can we find you and how can we connect with you? Sure. I mean, you can find me in the directory on Black Female Therapists. Um, and I have an office in Beverly Hills. Um, I also have a website, www.drkellyrugless.com. So that's D-R-K-E-L-L-I-R-U-G-L-E-S-S.com. And on the website, you can find a way to book a free consultation with me where we can just discuss what you think is going on. And you can ask me questions and it's completely free and I can sort of direct you where you need to go if my practice isn't the right fit. Um, but I would definitely go to my website because I think that has um, all of the ways to contact me and even some resources on, um, different books and different, uh, websites to go to for support. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for joining us. I think that was, uh, definitely some good information, some great tips that, um, anybody who thinks they fall into the category, it really kind of answers mm-hmm. those questions. So yeah, thanks for coming on and, and joining us. I really appreciate it. Of course. I'm so glad that I could participate. And I hope that if anybody's out there who is even questioning whether or not they're struggling with something like this, that they uh, feel comfortable to reach out and know there's someone like me, that there's someone like you on the other end who's easy to talk to and happy to answer any questions that they have. Absolutely. Thank you. Of course.